Okay. Well, good evening, everyone. Um, again, Keith said, my name is Daniel, one of the volunteer staff here, and I have the pleasure to share with you God's word this evening. And uh, before I get started, there's just a couple of things I just want to uh, just mention real quick. Uh, if you look at your handout, um, you all of you should have gone out already. Uh, if you look at the outline there, uh, notice that uh, there are some verse references already in place there. And the reason why we put them there, because we're actually going to go over a lot of passages. So, you know, we have 20 verses to cover. So there's a lot to cover. So we put those verses um, just for your own reference so, they, so you can keep track of, of where I'm going. And so, uh, but still have your Bibles with you. So yeah, just want to let you guys know that. And second of all, um, I want you, um, all of you, to try your best uh, to engage with me. And so I know all of us here are bombarded by a lot of virtual meetings. Um, you know, for, for those of you who are in school, you know, you're probably bombarded by a lot of Zoom meetings and things like you're probably getting tired of it. And so I can definitely understand that. It can be very exhausting. Uh, but I just want to uh, encourage you guys to engage with me. In fact, if you look at the handout, notice the title of the message is on listening. So are you listening? So uh, please uh, listen to me. Well, actually, ultimately not to me, but ultimately God's word. And so, uh, so just try your best to try and engage with me since we're going to be talking about listening. All right. So um, that's all about that. All right. So please turn with me to Mark chapter 4, verse 1 to 20. Mark chapter 4, verse 1 to 20. So we'll be continuing our series in the Gospel of Mark. And I'd like to begin by asking all of you a question. Have you ever had a time when you were hearing something, but you weren't really listening? I'll say it again. Have you ever had a time when you were hearing something, but you weren't really listening? In other words, like you were listening, but you weren't really listening. You know, I think all of us have done that at some point of our lives, whether we recognize it or not. You know, maybe uh, you were sitting in your virtual class and your teacher was teaching something, but you find it very boring. You know, maybe it's because your classmates do Zoom, so it's kind of easy to zone out. Or maybe the subject they're teaching is boring. Or maybe the way your teacher teaches was boring. So you're there, but you're not really listening. Or maybe you're getting a lecture by one of your parents and are talking to you about the same old thing, like clean your room, be more responsible. And you know you should be listening. And at times you try, but you're just not paying attention. And you pretend you're listening by saying stuff like, uh-huh, uh-huh, yes, mom, yes, dad. Just the other day for me, uh, I was preparing my sermon and my wife wanted to talk to me about something. And being a good husband that I am, I, should, I would try to listen to her. But I would listen to her while I was preparing my sermon. And as she was talking to me, I would respond by saying, uh-huh, uh-huh, I see. Oh, that's, that's great. Oh, that's terrible. Okay. And then it went on until she asked me this really painful question. She asked me, did you hear what I say? And being an honest husband that I am, I would say, yeah, of course I was listening. And then she tested me by asking, okay, what did I just say? <laughs> Busted. So luckily my wife was very gracious and very forgiving. So, um, so anyways, in many situations in life, you can hear without listening, like things can go in one ear and out the other. In other words, we can be listening, but not really 
listen. And that can be the same case when it comes to hearing God's word or reading God's word, that we can hear God's word or read God's word, but are we really hearing? Are we really listening? In our passage this evening, we're going to look at Jesus' teaching about hearing. The passage that calls us to pay attention, to pay attention not just what you hear, but how you hear it. This evening, we're going to look at a passage that's perhaps well-known for most of you. It's the parable of the four soil. My guess, that, my guess is that most of you have heard a lot of God's word. And when you hear God's word on Friday evening during youth group, you hear God's word during uh, service on Sundays, you hear God's word in your small group. For those who go to a Christian private school, you probably hear God's word in your classes. And perhaps for some of you, you probably do your devotions either with your family or you're by yourself. So my guess is that you're used to hearing God's word regularly. But what we're going to see here is that you can hear God speaking, but not really listen. The good news is that Jesus shows us how to listen to God's word. And my hope is that as you learn to listen to God's word appropriately, that God's word would start to impact your life. That it would impact your heart. That it would draw you closer to Jesus. And that you would find yourself growing and maturing as a Christian. This brings to our key idea, and that is true followers of Jesus Christ listens to the gospel and grow to be more like Christ. True followers of Jesus Christ listens to the gospel and grow to be more like Christ. With that in mind, uh, let's pray uh, before we dive into the verse, and then I'll read our passage for this evening. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this time. God, thank you for just an opportunity for us to gather together, to sing songs together, to worship together, to play together, and to hear God's, uh, your word together, Lord. And God, and all of us here are in different places in life. Some of us have uh, rough weeks, Lord. Some have easy weeks, Lord. But regardless, Lord, I pray that you slow our minds down. I pray that you slow our hearts down, Lord, and help us to turn our hearts and our minds and our eyes on you, Lord. God, may, have, may we have listening ears, Lord, to hear your word. And I pray that your word will not just only impact our minds, but also our hearts, and it shapes how we live our lives. We pray also in your son's name. Amen. Okay, Mark chapter 4, verse 1 to 20. Again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land, and he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil. And immediately it sprang up, since it had no depths of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold, and sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables, and he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path, where the word is sown. 
when he hears Satan, immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the one who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the word and the seedfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. That's a mouthful. That's a lot of verses. All right. So if you look at um, verse 1 and 2, we see that Jesus continues to do his ministry where the focus is proclaiming the good news. The good news that he is the Messiah, that he is the Savior, that he has come to rescue us from our sins. But along his ministry, Jesus faced some challenges. For those of you who have been with us, one of the challenges that Jesus faced in his ministry was the temptation to just perform a lot of miracles, to amaze people with signs and wonders. Now, while Jesus does that, Jesus knows that his mission, his purpose, is to proclaim the preaching of the gospel. But one of the challenges that as Jesus' ministry is spreading his popularity increases and crowds among crowds and crowds gather to see him. And because of that, Jesus has to kind of teach him weird situations and see that in verse one, where Jesus got on a boat and basically preaches. It's a very weird situation here to preach. And we see in verse two, Jesus taught many things by parables. Now, why parables? Why does Jesus teach in parables? Well, if you look at verses 11 to 13, Jesus explains to his disciples about why he uses parables. He says, the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside everything is in parables. So that Jesus, quoting Isaiah, they may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. In other words, Jesus spoke in parables as a way of separating from those who are coming for a show versus those who are coming for the Savior. That Jesus teaching in parable is a way to see who's really interested in what he has to say versus who's coming just to see a miracle. Do you know what I'm saying? Like another way of looking at it is Jesus teaches in parable to see who wants to listen and those who don't. If you remember a few weeks ago, Chris Wan, our ministry associate, he preached about discipleship and he specifically talked about the difference between a fan and a follower of Jesus Christ. You can say that Jesus is teaching in parable to show who's really a follower of Jesus Christ and who's just a fan. In this parable here that we're going to dive into, we see that, you know, shows that Jesus is the farmer and he is sowing the seed. And what we see here in this parable shows four different types of soil, four different situations. And what we see here in this parable, there are four different responses to hearing the word of God, four different responses of hearing the gospel. And as we go over then, I want you to ask yourself, this, which soil are you? In other words, I want you to examine yourself to see which soil are you. I mean, think of this, think of this as those online personality tests, you know, like where you're trying to figure out which Harry Potter are you, or which Disney character are you, or which Avenger are you after you answer these 10 questions. So ask yourself, which soil are you? You know, which heart are you? But my hope, my prayer for you isn't for you to figure out which soil are you, but really be the fourth one, the good, the good soil. Lastly, as we go over this passage, 
we're going to do some hand motions. Okay. Keep in mind, we're going to do some hand motions here. So this will, be, will require your participation. Okay. So it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be like children's ministry again. And if you think you're too young for this, no, you're not. You're not, you're never too young for this. Okay. So, um, so I want to see you guys participate. All right. So we see here, the first response is that the one who listens to the word with a hard heart, okay? A hard heart. And in verse four, the sea falls on a road or on the path. And what happens to it? It was snatched away instantly by a bird. Why? Because the road or the path is hard. So when a sower drops it, it doesn't penetrate at all. It just bounces off and it lays there, right? On the surface, on the path. Now, here's where I want you to participate. It's very simple. Just simply cross your arms like this, okay? Just cross your arms. Go ahead and just do that just for a few seconds. Cross your arms. Okay, good job, good job. Now, this is a picture of someone who has a hard heart, someone who has a stubborn heart. It's someone who crosses their arms showing that they're not interested, showing that they're indifferent. And Jesus is saying, some people's hearts are like this, this hard soil. And so what happens is, is see the word of God it's not penetrating their heart. Instead, the seed of word just sits there on the surface of the heart. You can say the word is heard, but it's not really heard. And that's a picture of someone whose heart is hardened, where the word of God just bounces off their heart and it lays on the surface of the heart. And what we see in verse four is that the seed of word gets snatched away by a bird. Now, if you look at verse 15 here, we see that Jesus explains who this bird is. If you look at verse 15, who is Jesus referring to? To Satan, the devil. In other words, when the seed of the word of God doesn't penetrate our heart, but sits on the surface of the heart, what happens is, don't miss this, is that Satan comes and snatches away. And what we can learn from this verse alone is that Satan is involved in disrupting people from hearing the gospel message. It's interesting that oftentimes when we think of hearing a sermon, when we think of sharing the gospel, that a lot of times, if, we are, if we're honest, we don't factor in Satan or the devil. See, the Apostle Paul uh, says that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual forces of evil in this world. Now, we don't want to over-spiritualize every, where everything comes from Satan. Like, the reason that I got a bad grade in this class is because of Satan. Like, the reason I'm having trouble with my Zoomies is because of Satan. The reason we, my parents are mad at me is because of Satan. So we don't want to, so we want to be careful about that. We want to attribute everything to Satan. But at the same time, we don't want to be ignorant, ignorant to think when it comes to the spread of the gospel, when it comes to hearing a sermon on a Sunday morning or a Friday evening, like even right now, listening to God's word, that Satan is not trying to do his part to distract us, to make us lose focus, to prevent us from hearing God's word. See, Satan is involved in disrupting people from seeing the gospel, both believers and unbelievers. So we need to be aware of this. And here, Jesus says that Satan is like a bird that snatches away the seed of God's word, specifically those whose hearts are hardened. Now you're probably asking, who is this one who has a hard heart? Well, thank you for asking. Well, it could be someone who is a complete atheist, who doesn't believe God at all, who wants nothing to do with God. It could, be, it could be someone who thinks they're too cruel for Jesus, claiming they're better than our savior. Or it could be one of your non-Christian friends who thinks, hey, I'm glad you found something that works for you, but I found something that works for me. 
or it could be a church goer. Notice I did not, I didn't say Christian. I said church goer. The church goer is one who comes week after week, hearing sermon after sermon. They hear the gospel over and over again, right? But in their head, they're thinking, yeah, I never believed this. It's a nice story, but I'm not going to believe this. You know, they're the ones who sits in small group and listens listen to a small group leader telling them about the gospel and how great Jesus is. But the churchgoer thinks, are we done yet? Can I go play now? Because I'm not going to believe this. And they probably try to put up a smile and ask a few questions just to show they're interested. But really in their hard hearts, they don't believe. There's no interest. There's no reflection. The seed of the word of God just bounces off of them and just sits there on the surface of their heart. And Satan sees it as an opportunity to snatch it away. So let us not be the one who listens to God's word with a hard heart. But also we don't want to be the second kind of heart, which is a shallow heart, a shallow heart. Here we have a seed that falls onto rocky soil, rocky places. And what happens to the seed? It grows. It springs up very, very quickly. What we see is that this plant has no root. It has no foundation. So when the sun comes up, it scorches the plant. It burns it away. So a plant grows quickly, but it quickly dies. Now, here's what I want you guys to do to participate again. So I want you to get out of your seats really quickly and just jump up and down. Okay, just jump up and down like this. Okay, jump up and down. Okay, um, I can't really see you, so, um, but I'm assuming you, you are doing that. Okay, that's enough. So you can sit back down. Okay, go ahead. All right. So hopefully that's a good break from, yeah, anyways, your blood flowing. Anyways, so basically this idea that the plant springs up really quickly, but it just dies. It's gone, okay? And Jesus explains, starting in verse 16, that the person hears and immediately receives the word of God with joy. There's a sense of excitement when they hear the word of God. They're on fire for Jesus. There's this enthusiasm. The problem is they have no root. There is no foundation. Their hearts are shallow. And what happens in verse 17, Jesus says that when tribulation and persecution arises on account of the word, they immediately fall away. Um, at my old youth group, back in my old church, uh, we would have these annual winter youth retreats. So we have youth retreats every year, kind of like what we do, sort of. And I remember one time in particular where many of our youth walked out of the retreat on fire for Jesus. You know, they say they are, they're ready to conquer the world for Jesus. And it was pretty amazing, you know, when I watched them. You know, they would gather, they would gather together every single day for early morning prayer beans on their school campus. They would help out and serve. And they would go out and tell others about Jesus. But over time, they faced some difficulties. They faced some challenges in their lives. And over time, some continued to walk with Jesus, while others turned their back on Jesus. In fact, for those who turned their back on Jesus, they would never come back to youth group. In fact, they would never even come back to church. You know, for me, I tried to reach out to them, and, you know, but they never emailed me back. And it hurts. It's heartbreaking. You know, it's heartbreaking when I see youth who are once passionate about Christ, but then fall away. Now, please don't get me wrong here. Uh, I'm not saying don't go to retreats. You know, don't be on fire for Jesus. I think it's great to be to go to retreats. I think it's great to be on fire for Jesus. I'm also 
uh, not saying don't grow your faith quickly. You know, just because you're growing quickly doesn't mean you'll crash and burn. But what I'm seeing is we need to examine ourselves why we love Jesus. Just ask yourself. Here, here are some questions to think about. Is my excitement about Christ dependent on events that others provide for me, like a social event, a retreat, or VBS? Do you believe in Jesus because others do, like your parents, your small group leader, or your Christian friends? Do you feel close to Christ when life is going well in your life, or because your answers, your, your prayers were answered? Let me ask in a different way. Let's say hypothetically, okay, hypothetically, if we don't have any events like retreats, VBS, Mount Hermon, would you still be excited for Christ? Or how about this? Again, hypothetically, if your parents, your small group leaders, or Christian friends say they moved away, like they moved to Japan, would you still follow Jesus? What about if life is not going well in your life? What if God didn't answer your prayers? Would you still trust God? Or what about when God seems distant, or when your faith feels dry, or if God seems somewhat boring to you, would you still continue to follow him? I know this is something that you don't really want to think about or to reflect, but it's important for you and myself to, be, to honestly examine ourselves and see where we are in our faith, because oftentimes it's easy for us to assume and think that I'm a Christian because I've been going to church all my life, or because I grew up in a Christian home, or because I pray a certain prayer. And we, then we don't ask ourselves, why am I a Christian? What is it that I believe in? And why do, do I believe in this stuff? You see, when we don't examine ourselves, what happens is our faith becomes shallow. Our hearts become shallow. We end up with a superficial understanding of the God, the Bible. And most of all, we're not building a solid foundation for our faith. And like verse 15, 17 says, those who have no roots, no foundation will fall away. And my hope, actually the staff's hope and prayer for all of you is that this doesn't happen to you. We want you to follow Christ, not just for the next few years, but for the rest of your life. Yes, God ultimately is the one who changes your heart, but God also invites you to build that relationship with him. This is why we have sermons on Friday evening and on Sundays. This is why we as a staff are here for you so that we can call alongside you to pray for you, to encourage you, to answer your questions, but also to point you to God's word so that you're not only building so much knowledge about the Bible, but also you're building a deep relationship with Christ. You know, last week, just, Justin mentioned that true followers of Jesus Christ doesn't just know about him, they know him. Do you guys remember that? In other words, this doesn't mean knowing just facts about Jesus, but it means having an actual relationship with Jesus where you're growing to trust and depend on him, where you're reminding yourself of Christ and his promises. And as you're doing so, you're building a foundation in your spiritual life so that when difficulties come your way, you're able to stand. So on behalf of the staff, uh, please don't be the one who listens to God's word with a shallow heart. The third heart, the third heart is the divided heart, the divided heart. If you look at verse seven, it says, other seeds fall among thorns. And because the thorns grew up, it choked the plant and yielded no grain. All right, so here's the hand motion that I want you guys to do again. So just take both hands and, okay, actually, I wanted to give you guys, uh, just we're, we're pretending, okay? So take both your hands 
Wrap around your neck and pretend that you're choking yourselves, okay? Just, okay, the key is pretend, just choke yourself, okay? Like that. Okay, great. All right, so some of you guys are getting too carried away, that's enough. Okay, so going back to the word here, here what Jesus, here's what Jesus is saying. Here is that there are these thorns in our lives that's inside uh, our heart along with the word of God. And these, th these thorns are choking the word of God out of our hearts. Now, if you look at verse 18 here, Jesus explains what these thorns are in our lives. He says, the thorns are the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and desire for other things. In other words, the thorns are the concerns, the worries, the temptations, and the desires of this world that chokes the word of God out of our hearts. And here, Jesus paints a picture of someone who has a divided heart. The word of God goes in, but the desires for other things. The word goes in, but worries about other things. The word goes in, but is tempted to pursue other things. That's a divided heart. For example, think about how many times on a Friday evening or Sunday, you come to youth group as you're hearing the word of God, the sermon, but then there are these other concerns on your mind or on your heart, like school, grades, family, or think about some of the temptations that you had. Perhaps you were reading God's word and then you were thinking, I should check out my Instagram. Or when you know you're supposed to read God's word, but you really want to beat this next level for, for, at Fortnite. And to be clear, all these things are good things. They're not bad things, but when they become something that we worry and desire, it causes our hearts to be divided. It prevents us from listening to God's word. And what happens in verse 19, it says, these thorns are choking the word out of our hearts. Just hypothetically, when you choke something, it's not an immediate death, but rather it's a slow death. And in the same way, these desires and worries of this world can slowly snuff out the life of the word in your heart. And not only did they choke the word out, notice the consequences at the end of verse 19. It makes it unfruitful. There's no growth. You know, for all of us, uh, we might not always recognize this in our lives, but one of the things that can happen when we're distracted by our worries, our desires, is that it can take away our desire for Christ. You know, because all of our energy and our time is devoted to other things. I know I see this in my life. You know, for myself, normally I would start my morning by reading my Bible because it's the only time when I'm least distracted. But just here, the other day, I was about to read my, my, my Bible. I heard a beep from my phone. Beep. And it was a notification. And at that moment, you know, moment, you know, I was thinking, nah, I'll just read, read God's word. But um, so I did. But after one minute of reading my Bible, my mind starts telling me, I got to find out what this notification is. I might be missing out. But I kept telling myself, no, just keep reading my Bible. Just keep reading the Bible. And I just keep talking to myself for a couple minutes. And after a couple minutes, you know, I said to myself, okay, I'm just going to check what this notification is. But I'll just check it, okay? And once I check it, I'll just go back and read my Bible. So I went to go pick up my phone. And it turns out it was a recommended YouTube video for me to watch. And I was thinking to myself, man, I got to watch this. I got to see this video. 
what, what, and you gotta see what this video is all about. And then temptation started to creep in. And I told myself, okay, I'm just gonna watch this one video, okay? Just this one video. And then afterwards, I'll put my phone down and I'll go back and straight back to reading my Bible. And guess what happened? I read my Bible. No, I didn't. So what happened was I, I watched a video and I watched another video and I watched another video and I watched another video. And then after this video, I went to go on Facebook. And then afterwards, I started checking my email and then start calling, start picking up my phone, start calling people, things like that. And then afterwards, so much time has passed, right? And as a result, my Bible reading time was pushed to the side. And worst of all, I lost my desire and my need to read his word that day because all of my energy and my time was devoted to other things. And that's what could happen when we're distracted by the worries and the desires of this world. It steals our desire for God. It ruins our appetite for him. It's like snacking on snacks before dinner time. So by the time dinner starts, we won't have much of an appetite to feast on mom's gourmet cooking because it was spoiled by all that junk food that we ate prior. Let me ask you, what is it that you worry about? What is it that you desire? What drives you? What is it that you think about a lot? Is it your grades? Is it what people think of you? Is it your future? Is it entertainment? You see, what we worry and desire reveals what's in our hearts, what's closest to our hearts, what's important to us. To use a more biblical word, what we worship. But what our worries and desires also reveals is, not what's, is also what's not important to us. For example, if we all care about is, if all we care about is grades, then what we're saying is my success is more important than God, right? But if God is the one that is more important to us and treasure, and then one we treasure, then we wouldn't be worried about our grades so much. I mean, this doesn't mean we don't do our homework. We, I mean, I mean, we need to do them, but it's not something that consumes us because God is what's most important to us. You see, our heart is going to choose one or the other. You can't have both. You could try to keep both, but at some point, your heart is going to choose one or the other. And because of our simple hearts, we have a tendency to worship other things than Christ. See, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, he says, no one can serve two masters. So either he will hate the one or love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. So let us not be the one who listens to God's word with a divided heart. Now, the last one, the last heart. And this is the heart we want all of you to be. And that is the soft heart. Soft heart. Here we have a good soil. It's not hard, it's not shallow, and there are no thorns. It's a soft, good soil. Notice in verse 8 it says, The sea fell into good soil. In other words, there's penetration into the soil. And what happens? It produced grain. Now, for hand motion, okay, this is the very, very last one. Just very simple, just extend your hands like this, okay? Stand your hand like, like this and open your hands like this, okay? You can't see? Open your hand like this. And just close, open your hand close, close, pop, 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 like that, okay? So this is a picture, okay, is someone producing lots of grains, lots of fruits, okay? And Jesus is saying, verse 20, that the one we're sown on good soil are the ones who hears the word, accept it, and then what else do they do? They bear fruit 
they produce a crop that is 30-fold, 60-fold, even 100-fold. You know, when it says accept it, it's not saying that we just got to deal with it. It's not like when we get to an argument with our parents and after hours of arguments, your parents say, just accept it. It's my way on the highway because I'm the mom, I'm the dad to just accept it, just deal with it. But that's not the case here. In fact, what he means by the one who accepts it is the one who receives it. You know, they receive it. They receive the word God with humble hearts. They receive the gospel with soft hearts. They believe it, they accept it. And they not only accept it, but they bear fruit. You see, um, one of the ways you can tell someone is listening is when they, when, is when they do what they're told, right? Is when they do what they're told. I mean, when we have, when we have moments when we try to tell someone who, have, who tell someone what to do, but they don't do it, um, I know that's the case for me with my little nieces. You know, whenever I ask them to do something, uh, they wouldn't do it. And it shows either they didn't listen to me or didn't hear me at all. But there were times when they did what I asked them to do. And it shows me that they were listening to me. But here, when Jesus speaks about bearing fruit, it's more than just Christians got to do what you know, they're told. But rather, what Jesus is saying here is that, that if the seed of the word of God lands on a soft heart, it will produce a life of following Jesus, a life of growing to be more like Christ, a life that's transformed by the gospel. You know, sometimes we think true growth is based on numbers like how many students we have in our youth group or just attending youth group. But we see here that real growth is growing to be more like Christ. It's when our hearts and our lives are transformed, changed by the gospel. And we see here, Jesus shows us what true listening is. It's listening and as a, as a result, produce growth. It's hearing the gospel with a soft heart and as a result, growing to be more like Christ. For some of you, perhaps you're wondering if you're a Christian, if you're wondering if you're saved, you know, one simple question to ask yourself is this, is your heart changing? Is your heart changing? In other words, before you didn't really care about God at first, but now you do. You find yourself you start to care about God and what he cares about. Or before you used to not care about your sin, but now that you do because you know that your sin offends God. Or before you feel you don't need, need Jesus, but now that you do. See, if that's you, you have every reason to believe that you're a Christian. You know, you have every, every reason to be confident in your salvation because the gospel is working in your heart and it's changing you to be more like him. You have heard the gospel and as a result, you're being changed by the gospel. And for those of you who don't consider yourself as a Christian, perhaps you've been coming to church all your life, but you've never had a genuine relationship with him. Or perhaps you're here because your friend brought you here. You know, wherever you are, we are so glad you're here because we want to tell you that you can have the same hope that we have. You can have the same hope that's found in the gospel. You can have hope in the gospel, which is the good news that God sent his one and only son to die on a cross for your sin and resurrect for your salvation. And if you place your faith in Jesus, your sins will be forgiven. You have a new life. You will not spend eternity in hell, but instead spend eternity in heaven with our Lord. And because of the gospel, when difference comes your way, you will be able to face them. And because of the gospel, 
you can trust that God will change you to be who you're made to be and as to be like Christ. If you have any questions about the Christian faith, you can feel free to talk to either Keith or myself or even your small group leaders. We're here for you because really our hope and prayer for you is to be this good soil, the soil that bears fruit. Here, Jesus shows what true listening is. It's listening to the gospel with a humble heart and as a result, becoming more like Christ. I'll close with this by asking you this. Are you listening? And are you really listening? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, all of us um, are in different places in life. Some of us are following you. Others are just distracted by the worries of this world. Others just barely know who you are. Others didn't want anything to do with you. But God, we thank you that you're a God of grace. You're a God who's kind and you're a God who pursues. And that you love all of us, all of us. And, and you desire all to be saved and to be like that good soil. Father, we ask also, help us to examine ourselves and see where we're, where we're at in our faith. And as, and as we do so, that we would not only be aware of our spiritual state, but we can call upon you, Lord, because only you can change us. Father, be with us as we have a time of small group and, and we pray that it'll be nice and a time of discussion and, and time of encouragement, Lord. We pray all this in your son's name. Amen.